1 Samuel chapter 17, we'll begin reading with verse 1 down through verse number 11. And then we'll read about four more verses scattered out through the uh, chapter. <clears throat> the Bible said, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth, uh, were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Azekah, and Epheth, Demon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side and there was a valley between them. I didn't have time to preach my first, fourth point this morning, but uh, I would have added that one. Uh, that uh, the giant or our battles are fought somewhere in between. And you just can't, you never kill a giant on the mountain. You know, we always have to go down in the valley, but nobody wants to go into the valley. Verse 4, And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, about nine foot and six, nine foot and nine inches. A greaves of brass upon his legs and the target of brass between his shoulder and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear had a head, uh, head weighed 600 shekels of iron, which is about 16 pounds. And one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood, stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? And not I, a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul, Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. And if he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Verse 22, David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. Verse 52 and verse 53. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until thou come to the valley to the gate of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way to Shamriam, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines and they spoiled their tents. I was meditating on this chapter, 1 Samuel 17 one day, and I began to try to place myself among the characters that are found there. I thought about Goliath, and thank God I... I do not believe that if I'd have been there on this occasion that I would have been 
Goliath. Because, as I've already said, I'm on the winning side. I'm glad that I'm numbered among the redeemed, and I have no doubt about that. I wouldn't have been on that other hillside over there. Now that's by grace. I'm not bragging. That's by grace. I'm glad that God called me and saved me and birthed me into His family on this hill. I'm over here. And nothing can change that. But I rejoice that I wouldn't have been Goliath or the Philistines. But on the other hand, as I looked at the hero of this chapter, and everybody wants to be the hero, we might as well face up to it. I could not bring myself to, to imagine that I, to any stretch of the imagination, could have been David. I just, I just tell you, I, I, just, I, I don't believe that I could feel those shoes, do you? I just somehow can't uh, see myself as, as the man that David was for God, with the faith that he had the apple of God's own eye, the writer of the 23rd Psalm, the great leader in Israel. I just, uh, I, I find it hard-pressed to imagine that I would be David in this valley. And so I came to the conclusion that at the best, at the best, if, if I had been here this day, and imagine that you were here this day, if I could have been here this day, at this day, at my best, I'd have had to have been one of them boys in the verses that I've read in your hearing. In verse uh, number 9, 10, and 11, verse number 22 and 23, and verse number 52 and verse number 53. Now, I would have liked to have been the hero, but I reckon I'd have just been one of them boys. And everybody wants to be the David that knocked the, the giant down. But I want to say to you tonight, and I, I know that we have all preached and we've all emphasized this glorious account of David killing Goliath and how it has strengthened our faith as we've seen his faith. But somehow I think we have extolled David at the expense of them boys. They're not all bad. And as a matter of fact, as I analyze, analyze this passage of Scripture, I realized again, at my best, I would have been one of those boys. And you know what that did? That made me mad. Because everybody picks on them boys. And I want to preach to you for a few moments tonight on this subject, let them boys alone. Just quit picking on and harassing them boys. Now we fundamentalists are the worst in the world on running our own kind down. Stepping on them and making them look bad. But I'll tell you something, you need to let these boys alone. And there's some reasons why that you need to let these boys... I know we had our questions. 
Why didn't they kill the giant? Where was their faith? Why didn't they honor God and country? Looks like that they would have done the job before David ever came on the scene. I want to tell you again, let them boys alone. And when I'm preaching about them boys, I'm preaching about those people that make up the church of the living God, that don't have their name on the marquee, they're not necessarily out in the front or the forefront. They may not be the leaders, but thank God, where would the church be without them? Thank God for them boys. And you'll understand why. Thank God for those ladies. They weren't the disciples, but they were hanging around the cross when Jesus was crucified. And they were there at His resurrection. Thank God for all of those names in Romans chapter number 16 that I couldn't even pronounce of people that nobody knows that Paul said that they stayed with the staff and they were a blessing to the house of God. Thank God for those boys. We know the names of all the generals who fought, the major generals, Eisenhower, Patton, and so on, MacArthur, that fought in World War II. We know all the generals' names. But I'm going to tell you something. The generals didn't win the war. It was those boys that you don't know their names that hung out there in the trenches and shed their blood and sweat and tears all along there. They won the war. And honey, when it's all over with and we stand before God and the rewards are handed out, you're going to be surprised at who gets the rewards. Some of them boys is going to be out in the forefront. Because I know I pastored some of them. I'm telling you, we need to let them boys alone. We need to let them boys alone. And there's four reasons why we need to let these boys alone, these everyday foot soldiers. We need to let them alone. First of all, I want to point out to you, we need to let these boys alone because they've been on the battlefield for 40 days and 40 nights. They're the ones that's holding things together until somebody can get there that can kill the giant. Now, their army in Israel in those days is much like the National Guard in our day. They didn't have a standing military or army. They had to leave their homes, their wives, their children, their farms. They had to just drop everything in a moment's notice and follow the king in the war, not knowing whether they would ever return again or not. And they'd have to go down there and stay as long as it took. Now, they've been down there. These boys have been down there not just one day or two days or three days, but they've been down there for 40 days because that's how long it has taken. And don't you know, they're sick and tired. They're as sick of that giant as anybody is. They don't like him. 
They'd like to see him killed, and later on they shout when he is killed. They go out and put the battle in array and engage in battle. Then they go back that night and get in their tents and no doubt mend up their wounds and they sit there thinking about the little babies at home and about mama and they weep and they cry and they wonder if they'll ever come out of this alive. It just doesn't look like there's any way. But if there is any way, they'll be there if it happens, thank God. They're going to hang there as long as it takes. And if something does happen, they'll be there. Thank God. May I say to you tonight, I appreciate all of God's children that have stayed with the stuff through the years. Folks that we don't know their names and and, uh, they're, they're not out in the forefront. But honey, they've paid their tithes. They backed the church. They paid for. The, they prayed and and paid the preacher. They've done all that was necessary, and uh, they've been there. Yeah. And then what we do, a lot of times as preachers, we'll just get up and begin to browbeat and kick and run over top of them and not appreciate what God's people have done for the cause of the kingdom of heaven. Right. Honey, I'm going to tell you. This thing's made up more of these boys right here than they are any other kind. We ought to appreciate them. They've been to war. And uh, they've stayed uh, the stuff. And stayed through the thick and the thin in the battle. And so we need to let them boys alone. They've been in battle. Been in battle. Only God knows what they have felt and what they have went through while they were down there. I'm here to tell you tonight, we ought to appreciate one another. And we ought to pray one for another. Hold each other up before the throne of God. And not be so quick to draw our swords and and draw blood from from our own kind. We ought to love each other in the things of God. Thank God for the saints. Thank God for the saints. Let them boys alone. They've been in battle. They have forsaken everything to go down there in an endless situation. Secondly, I want to say to you, you need to leave them boys alone. Not only because they've been in battle and in war for these 40 days and for 40 nights, they've hung in there faithfully. Thank God for those who have. But you need to let them boys alone because there's only one man that is going to kill that giant anyhow. Now, we're living in the day of... And I want you to to understand this. This is a pet peeve with me. We're living in the day of motivational preaching. Pyramid preaching. Salesmanship preaching. You know... Trying to get folks hyped up. And don't you know that, you know, all the corporals and, and all the lieutenants and everybody and the generals, they all wanted to work on their little crowd and see if they could get somebody out of their crowd. Can you see them getting together and giving them their pep talks? And now listen, wouldn't it be nice if was somebody out of our regiment went up here and killed that giant? Is anybody here? Come on, boys! Somebody! We need somebody to kill that giant. It'd be an honor. Matter of fact, there's several. You get the king's daughter 
and you get to you don't want to be taxed in Israel anymore. You know, you can't beat that. Come on, boys. This is a trickle-down effect. I mean, get in there. Sounds like in some kind of a business somewhere. And most churches I go into, honey, that's what I feel like I'm in, some kind of business. They're trying to promote God as if He is some kind of a business. Come on, you can do it. Now you know you can do it. I was in a church one time where the guy was trying to encourage people to win souls. And you know what, you know what his approach was? He called on one of his men that was a salesman there, and that man was a salesman, got up. He said, now folks, said what I do, said I set a quota and uh, for how many flowers I'm going to sell each month and, month, and said I just determined I'm going to sell that many. And said, now that's the way you need to soul win. You just need to set a quota on how many you're going to get into this church and get to God. And I thought, my God, how in the world can you do that? The Holy Ghost only wants... Now you, right. you, you can determine how many people you're going to witness to, but you can't even determine that because the Holy Ghost... May not want you to witness to somebody. You may have somebody else to get to them. Amen. They want you just to keep your mouth shut. And the preacher looked at me. I was sitting there on the pew, and I was steaming. He said, am I asking too much? This is when I was pastor. He said, am I asking too much? And he looked at me, and he said, Preacher, do you ask that much of your people? I said, no, sir, I don't. Right in front of his folks, he asked me. But he didn't ask me no more if he had her. I'd have stood up and said, Mister, you're as unscriptural as anything Amen. I ever heard of. Amen. Amen. Motivational. Hmm? Pump them up. You know what my motivational thing is nowadays? Quit if you can. Yeah. Hurry up and quit. Yeah. Hmm. Stop! Amen. Get out! Run! Yeah. <laughs> That's right, brother. Huh? Amen. Because if you can do that, you ain't got it. No how did you need to find that out? Yes, sir. That's right. See, preacher, I just feel like quitting on God, going out and getting... Go ahead! Amen. If you can. Yeah. If you can't, stick in there, honey. You can't do nothing else no how. Yeah. Huh? I want to find out if folks got anything. Yeah. If you got to pamper them and pump them and prime them and yeah. pull them and jerk them and have yeah. a thing, come on, come on, come on. I got to where I just quit. That. I never got up and told folks, be in church, be in... No, stay home! <laughs> That's good preaching, bro. I don't want to preach those old sourpuss faces anyhow. <laughs> stay home! If I can preach to two or three that wants to be there and wants something out of God, we'll have a time anyhow. Amen. Huh? Let's build our little work. Let's build our little church. Let's do it. Somebody, is there anybody? Anybody on this side wants to kill the giant? Is anybody on this? Will somebody please kill the giant? Problem <laughs> well, is, a lot of these, a lot of them boys got better sense than we do. <laughs> they know that they ain't been called. Huh? Amen. And they ain't going to mess with that giant. Huh? They've not been called to do that. I tell you, it's the most refreshing thing in the world for me as a pastor to see somebody start doing something for the Lord that I never even mentioned. And you couldn't stop them with a bulldozer because God Almighty put it in their heart. Amen. And that outfit, you've got to pump and prime. You get them to do it, and then you've got to keep them 
Yeah, you're right. Doing it. You're right. See? You can't kill a giant unless you got a license. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And there's only one man that's been issued a license to kill giants on this day, and that's David. God Almighty has sent him down there and empowered him and ordained him to kill the giant. And I'm going to tell you something else. If anybody else starts up there, you better tackle him. Yeah. Grab that guy. Don't let him go. Because if he gets up there, he's sure enough going to get his head cut off. And then it's going to trickle down and affect everybody else. Huh? Boy, I'm going to tell you, we come through that in the 70s and 80s and 90s and whatever where we brought people in, most of them lost, put them in positions and had them doing everything under the sun, then it wasn't no time till they was out and gone. And then we wondered, well, we just forgot about it. Well, they just must have never had it. You're right. So let's quit getting those that ain't never had it. Amen. David has been issued a license to kill that giant, but he's the only man that can. And I'm here to tell you, God has something for you to do that I can't do. And He's got something for me to do that you can't do. And you'll be the only one that God will allow to do that. There are things in this church, I believe, if God has placed you, when God puts you in a church, He gives you a thing to do. He gives you a place and a part there. And that's for you and only you. And you won't be satisfied doing anything else. Amen. But thank God for those that take part and do the little insignificant things, so to speak, that nobody knows anything about. Those that vacuum, those that clean, those that, that pray, those that give, those that show up, and those that remain. Amen. Oh, they just hang in there. Yeah. Hang in there. Boy, I had them. I had those folks. I'm going to tell you. When things were good, sun was a shining, wasn't no giants around, they were there. Yeah. And then when the old clouds come in, the storms began to rage, and honey, the giants was howling, they were there. Yeah. And folks blessed me. I'm here to tell you, I felt unworthy to pastor many of the people that I pastored because I felt like they were better Christians than I was. They were willing to stay. I mean, when my sermon was so bad, it stunk to me. They'd come out and they'd lie to me and say, Preacher, I enjoyed that. <laughs> they just let me know that they loved me and I appreciated that. Honey, I could name name after name after name of the saints that God has let me cross paths with that you wouldn't know and will never know till you get to glory, honey. But they'll be in the front of the line. I'll have to get binoculars to see them. They'll be so far ahead of me. And I love them. I love those saints. Let them boys alone. I mean, they've been in battle. There's only one man going to kill that giant. There's no need trying to pump somebody else up to doing something that God hasn't ordained for them to do. I was with a preacher here this past week, and God has richly blessed him. And he's just unusual in the touch that God has on him in several ways. He's not a politically inclined person, but God, just like, just like uh, David, without any choice, was drawn into, uh, of course, into Babylon. This old guy, I mean, he, he's, 
he's been drawn into the to the capital down there, and I mean, he took me into the Georgia State Speaker of the House's uh, uh, office, shook hands and talked with him. You know, I felt as out of place as any man ever did, and. Uh, it was an important thing, had to do with children and things like that. The reason why he had to go in there and introduce somebody else to the Speaker of the House. And we were sitting there, and boy, this old fellow, he witnesses to everybody that comes along, and, and the senators all know him, the congressmen, and, and man, I mean, he'll stop them and get reach right down in their heart and pull it out and show it to them. And I just marveled at God's grace in his heart and life. And we're sitting there, and he said, well, you know, preacher, this is a, th- these people need to be reached just like anybody else. But I said, I'm going to tell you something. The average preacher, as well as me, just wouldn't feel comfortable in this situation. No. I said, i got no business here. I've enjoyed the day, but I won't be back. <laughs> <laughs> if the senator's salvation depended upon me, he'd be in trouble. <laughs> huh? Yeah. But thank God for those that can do that. Yeah. Amen. But yet I said to him, on the other hand, you can't follow me around and travel thousands of miles every year and go to all these different places and stay in these motels. and all. Oh, he said, Lord, I couldn't stand doing that. I said, that's right, because God has a place for each one of us, and we need to appreciate and thank God for those that he's placed in different places. Now, I'm telling you, you need to let them boys alone. I'm giving you another, another insight in a little different line. You need to let them alone because they've been in battle. You need to let them alone because there's only one man ordained to kill the giant. But then can I say to you thirdly, you need to let them boys alone because there are, there are some giant killers in that crowd. They sure are. Now it ain't time yet. They're not going to do it yet. But you give God time and we read on over there a little later, the mighty men of David yes, sir. who killed a lion-like man and killed another. There's a couple other giants in there. Now, where did boys come from? I'll tell you where they come from. They come right there from that passage of Scripture right there. Come out of that same place. See, God had to cultivate them. God had to breathe on him and God had to raise him up and when he was finished he had some other giant killers in there. Boy, the thing that amazes me and blesses me as I go across the country and preach the gospel is, is when I see those that God has laid his hands on. I was preaching a meeting in a church here uh, a while back. The young preacher about 22, 23 years old and I marveled how God's hand was on him. I preached with a young fellow that's about now. He, he's 29 years old. And boy, I'm going to tell you, God is mighty to use him. And I marvel at these young men that God is placing his hand on. Who knows where the giant is going to come from, or the giant killer is going to come from. Give God time. Boy, he can just reach out there and put his hand on somebody. And out of nowhere, you'll find somebody coming for as a giant killer. Started out as one of them boys. And the thing about it is, if you ever start out with one of them boys, you won't, you won't browbeat them and, be, and belittle them and everything. You appreciate them because you know what they went through while you was right there with them. There are some giant killers in this crowd. You remember when the Apostle Paul and Barnabas got in an argument over Mark because Mark's heart wasn't totally into what he was doing, but then later on, as Paul was sitting in prison, he said, bring Mark with Amen. you. 
He can be of help to me. Yeah. Oh, he's a growing up and becoming a giant killer. My heart just blesses to death when I think about the potential of God breathing on his people. Sure does. Let them boys alone. They've been in the battle. Let them boys alone. There's only one man going to kill the giant. Let them boys alone. There is a giant killer in the midst. If you give God time to do so. Amen. The last thing I want to point out to you tonight is a shocker to me as I meditated on this passage of Scripture. Let these boys alone. Now, they, they, didn't kill no, they didn't kill the giant. Matter of fact, they got scared when the giant stood up. But I've been there, haven't you? Matter of fact, I'm going to be honest with you now. I preached that sermon on killing giants this morning, but i got some giants running me around right now. I know about you. i got some giants that give me some pretty good fits over the years. They're afraid. They, the Scripture said they tremble. I'll tell you something, better let them boys alone. And this is, where, this is where I fear when I get behind that pulpit as to what I preach to other people. Let them boys alone because they may have never killed a giant. And I want you to underscore this, young men. They may have never killed a giant, but they never committed the sin as big as the man that did kill the giant. That's a shocker. Honey, there's they's potential in you for killing giants, but there's potential in you for a lot of other stuff, short of the grace of God. Man, I'm going to tell you, we who stand in the limelight, as David got in the limelight, standing behind this pulpit or whatever it may be, when you're in the limelight, you're open. It's like a spotlight is on you and everybody can see every move that you make. Now, that doesn't mean you ought to trim the truth down, not preach it. But it does mean you better preach it in love and in fear. Amen. Because, honey, the day may come you may need them boys to help you out a little bit. Amen. Amen. <laughs> oh, listen, they didn't kill the giant. But they never committed a sin as big as the man that did commit, that did kill the giant. But when he committed the sin, it was these boys that got behind him, stood with him. Amen. And he had to leave the palace, Amen. go across the brook and run from the enemy and his own son. These boys stayed with him there, thank God. They watched him all the way through it until he came back and got back on the throne. Well, they could have easily turned against him, but they didn't. And I'm going to tell you, when we stand, especially as preachers and preach the gospel, or as God's people, we've got to watch out how we point those fingers. How harshly we are over insignificant things. Because, honey, when we slip and fall, those boys are going to be watching us. And it'll be those boys that we need to help us up. And help us out in our time of hardship. It has been well stated, They that live by the sword shall die by the sword. David needed help. And they were there to help him. And I want to say to you tonight, Let us, let us appreciate again one another.
appreciate your brother and sister in Christ because it's the brother and sister in Christ that you're going to need down the road somewhere because you can't stand alone. Now, David killed the giant, but he didn't win the war. These boys won the war. <laughs> they just needed somebody that God had called to go in and knock this obstacle out of the way. They was willing to fight. They wasn't cowards. God just hadn't, hadn't emboldened them to face that giant. Amen. And if somebody will get rid of that giant, honey, they'll go all the way. They'll go to midnight and fight with you. Hang with you. Boy, they did. They hung with David all the way. They won the war. David killed the giant, but they won the war. <laughs> now, I'm here to tell you, I'm here to preach this week, and you can say all you want to about the sermons and stuff like that. I appreciate it, but I've got sense enough to know that if there's anything happens here at this church, it ain't going to be this preacher passing through. Right. Right. It's going to be the folks that hang in here. Fight the battles and win the wars and back the man of God and pray for him Amen. and love Amen. one another yes, and give and, and these things. You're the boys! Amen. <laughs> I love them boys. It offends me when I see them boys taken advantage of. Or them boys mistreated. And that's why I love your pastor. I love a man that loves them boys. Honey, if he's ever said one bad word about this church or you folks, I'm telling you before God, I don't know anything about it. He hasn't said it to me. Amen. He loves them boys. Amen. And that's why you love him. And hey, I'm going to tell you something. Again, if I, if I had a concluding remark, it would be this, two of them. One, again, appreciate each other. and Love each other. Because you see, what you don't know is, is you're all going through the same thing. It's just little different shades of it. Huh? You may go back to your tent, and, and they'll go back to their tent, but honey, you're going through the same thing. Love one another. Pray for one another. Hold each other up. Well, I'm going to tell you something else. Don't ever be ashamed to be one of them boys. I want to be one of them, don't you? Well, there's only a couple other options. One is David, and I look at you fellas now and tell there ain't no Davids here so far. I don't mean to hurt your feelings. The other option is the Philistine, and, and I don't think there's any of them now here tonight because I don't know your heart. But I hope you ain't one of them Philistines. Well, that only leaves one other crowd. <laughs> and that's in boys. I'm glad tonight. I am honored to be a part of them boys. Amen. I love it. I love to go in and out of these churches Amen. and shake hands with them boys. Amen. What a blessing. See, them boys put this suit on me. Huh? Giant killers never got me no suit. <laughs> They sure didn't. I appreciate the giant killers, but them big boys didn't buy me no suit. But them boys did. Huh? I go across the country, Brother Lanny, and, the, and the, them boys will get up and sing for me. I love that. Boy, how they help me. And then I'll go back, and they'll say, Preacher, I got you on my prayer list. I pray for you every day. My heart just, boy, it just, I... I just say thank you, God. 
I don't know. I just, and I don't know how many times I've been in the heat of the battle, brother, when it seemed like the devil was trying to snuff the life out of me, and I felt the prayers of them boys. Nah, they didn't get to kill that giant. But I'm going to tell you one thing. They sure appreciated the men that did. They was behind him all the way. They shouted. God's people just need a little encouragement. A little lifting up. Your brother and sister in Christ needs to hear somebody say, I love you and I appreciate you. If there's anything I can do for you, I'll do it. And see, my blessing of it is, is I feel like I go into some of these churches and, and boy, you know how we get down and out. All of us do. And they just need somebody to get in there and cheer them up a little bit. Yeah. Old David went and shouted for the battle. And boy, the thing that encouraged my heart, just get in here and tell you what, how big God is and how good God Amen. is and what God's been doing for Amen. you and how God loves you. And I like to leave, but them boys are feeling good. Amen. Praising God. <laughs> and ready good. to go to war. Ready to go to war. I love them boys, don't you? I love them boys. And I'm not just talking about men. I love them Betsy Burlesons and Marcel Harrisons and Charlie Wards. On down the line, Jim and Gail Buchanan's. I and boys have been, Lord, they've been a strength to me. Lee Beans. You don't know them boys, but I do. I was the preacher, and they thought I was the David. But honey, I just wanted them boys. I'd rather be them. I like it. Hanging around them boys.